Hey, this is Dan Cummins, and you are listening to The Barn. Turn on the radio now. Fuck it. Turn it off. Fear is your only guide on the radio now. Fuck it. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn on the radio now. Fuck it. Turn it off. Fear is your only guide on the radio now. Fuck it. Your savior, my guillotine, crosses the chemistry. Hi, and welcome to The Barn, live from The Barn Studios in Southeast Missouri. Got the mocks here with Chuck. Yep. Got a special guest online, Chuck. Yeah, my, one of my favorites, buddy. Stand-up comedian, podcast. We've interviewed a bunch of people, but I, I'm, I'm more nervous about this one than any of them. You're geeking out over here. Dan, Mr. Dan Cummins. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm honored that Chuck is nervous. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's flattering. It's very nice. <laughs> it, it takes a lot to get him nervous. I've never yeah. seen him giddy like this, so that should say something. Yeah, you just like show up late. No, there's you know. So. Hey, yeah, that's right. Do you care to call in every day because he showed up on time actually today? So <laughs> prepared. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's awesome. No, I, you know, I'm yeah, I'm very lucky. Where it's like, um, it's funny. It freaks my kids out when people meet me sometimes in public because, you know, I'm not some big like sitcom star or or anything like that, and uh, you know, not um like a Joe Coy or a, a Joe Rogan or Tom Segura like you know level of fame at all. But it does seem like that people who do like me uh, luckily like me a, lo- a lot. And so, uh, yeah, it always weirds my kids out when someone gets weird to meet me because they're like, what? why do they care about you? <laughs> like, who, who are you? You know, in the introduction there, what do you consider yourself? I mean, obviously, stand-up comedian, podcaster, but just a, a creator of content? Yeah, I think like a storyteller. You know, it's like I just I've, I've always loved stories, whether the stand-up story, the joke is just a small story. You know, I tend to do longer-form stand-up now and – you know, you have the horror podcast, which some people think is like a weird move for somebody who's always done comedy. But to me, it's just another another kind of storytelling. You know, time sucks all about, yeah, you're learning something. But again, just about trying to tell a compelling story. So, yeah, I, I think just a storyteller. And we have you on the line. You are coming to our neck of the woods here soon. Saturday, January 28th, you're going to be the pageant in St. Louis, Missouri. And they actually, I think, added another show. So you have an early show and a late show. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for those St. Louis shows. I think uh, I don't know if the list is sold out on the website or not, but I I think there's only a handful of tickets for one of them, maybe, and then maybe just like two or three for the other. So it should be a really fun night. The pageant's a great place too. Yeah, have you ever played the pageant before? No, no, I've always done clubs in St. Louis, a variety of clubs actually. Because I, I think last time, last couple times I was there, is it? Uh, Helium, yeah, and then before that, God, they had a club for I think they still have it. Yeah, the Westport. Funny bone. Uh, funny bone. Yeah. So yeah, I've been through there a bunch of times, but, ne- but never to the pageant. So, I'm, uh, but I checked it out online. It looks like a really cool venue. It's a great place, and we can't wait to see you January twenty eighth. We're probably going to be at the early show, but there's also a late show for you younger people out there. We're not as young as we used to be, so. <laughs> Even my own late shows, I'm like, man, if I wasn't doing a show right now, I'd probably be uh, getting high at home or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us about the Burn It All Down tour. I mean, you're you're going all across the nation on this one, right? Yeah, you know, this is our first stab at like a, a theater tour. So, um, you know, it's always like a goal of mine to to do theaters and, and not even just for like ego reasons as far as like a bigger venue. But, you know, and comedy clubs are awesome. It's a great place to learn the craft. It's a great place to do shows, like intimate venue. But there's like these little things. And the, one of the big ones is, you know, just having a, a wait staff 
in the club that are constantly kind of serving drinks and doing things while the show is going and then dropping checks so people got to like figure out math and figure out their tips and everything <laughs> yeah and stand-up is so fragile that i've been lucky enough to open up for people in the past doing theaters do my own theaters here and there and with the, the difference between a theater and a club the main difference is you just have their undivided attention for the whole time yeah. they just you know tend to remain seated they're not ordering drinks and things like during the show all the time they have their drinks before and after for the most part and so uh it just makes for a better show and so i'm i'm really hopeful that after this run that you know shows seem to be selling well i'll go back to clubs for a while afterwards to build up a new hour and then hopefully uh be able to keep doing theaters after that man that brings me to my when i was a kid i wanted to be a stand-up comedian and uh yeah but i uh, also grew up without a father so I, it was a point in my life where i had to make a decision i knocked some chick up but uh there was a point where i, I had to make up my, my decision to either be a great father or you know go and try this comedy thing but you're the first yeah. comedian that i've seen that i think that maybe i fucked up and i probably should have tried it because you you juggle it wonderful i don't know how you have the time man you have almost all this shit going on and you seem, I mean, in your comedy, you seem like a great father, man, engaged. And how do you find uh, the time with us, man? Well, you know, I mean, it definitely made the road more challenging in some ways. Like I think about, um, you know, I got uh, when the kids were, you know, pretty young, my ex-wife and I uh, got divorced, you know, large. I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes details, but largely over it's like I never wanted to kind of stay in Spokane where you live. And I wanted to go to, to L.A. and really kind of like go for it. I thought she wanted that and didn't. And then had this really tough decision of, you know, I knew I needed to go down there for a little bit to make my career progress or thought I did, but that was going to take time away from the kids. But then what I ended up doing is I went down there, you know, and I would, after every show, I would FaceTime with them, you know, Skype at that time, you know, whatever it was. And then I would have them come down for one week a month. And I was flying back and forth and it was all like, and I'm no regrets because I did want to be, right. my dad was in and out of my life growing up. And it was very important for me to be a, a good dad and still like so important. But what that eliminated basically was networking mm -hmm. and going to a lot of like, you know, rooms to kind of work out material. Like most comics, they do a lot of open mics. They hang out at the clubs when they're not doing shows. And, and that stuff will help their career career quite a bit. Sure. And for me, I had to learn how to be way more efficient with stage time. And basically after a couple of years, if I wasn't doing a, a paid show, I just didn't go out. And then after shows didn't really hang out and network. And so I think it made the road a little longer, you know, because yeah. I was never part of a click with stand up. I was never part of the Rogan group or the right, comedy right, store right. or the seller in New York. I don't actually know that many of my peers. And that is all directly the result of prioritizing, you know, like being a dad. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, you can kind of think like, well, maybe I would have broke earlier if I would have, hung out more but again then i would have been a, a shitty dad so I'm, I'm glad i made the choices i did but it but it is a tricky balance so you know you're... there's other guys like jeff foxworthy and there's other comics yeah. you know brian regan who have also balanced it really well and brian regan was actually i got to open up for him and his, his son christopher was a big fan and i got to you know go on the tour bus with him and i got to really see a while back how he balanced it and that was um really inspirational for me to try to replicate what he did would you say that you've manifested your career? Because I know you've had, you know, obviously specials being uh, produced and, and put out on, on certain channels and networks or whatever, but you seem very hands-on, you and your wife, Lindsay, who's been great, by the way, uh, yeah. seem very uh, hands-on on everything that you guys are a part of and uh, and that you do. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. Basically, like, 
The only reason we ended up being so hands-on was because nothing else worked out. Like whenever I tried to go through the traditional channels, and I did have some success, you know, I got some specials on like, you know, Comedy Central and things, but it never translated to any actual like income really. It never built a fan base or anything. I just constantly got frustrated with the way they would distribute my stuff, the way they would promote my stuff or not promote it. This time suck, you know, was the first thing that took off on its own. I didn't need anybody else's help industry wise. And I had to kind of like teach myself how to market and how to, you know, handle the business side. And once I figured that stuff out, I realized that at least for me and for my brand, no one's going to market it better than I am. No one's going to handle it better than I will. You know, it's like, I don't know, the, the industry, the people who make a lot of those decisions, they tend to be just kind of trend followers. You know, they just like, oh, what, what is, you know, okay, something like Andrew Schultz, you know, uh, great at crowd work. Right. And so then their advice is going to be like, oh, if you want to be big, you got to be good at crowd work. You got to like, you know, put all these this shit out on TikTok. You got to put all this stuff, you know, short form, 60 seconds or less. But for me, it's like, that's not what works. Long form, it, it, I might not have the same amount of success as him, but I might have a, a different level of success. I'm very happy with doing my own thing. And the industry is not great at handling people who just want to do their own thing and don't want to follow what's working currently for other people. So I've just kind of accepted that, uh, you know, for my style, because it is a little different, it's dark, weird, but it's also has some heart. It doesn't really fit in like a clean marketing box. And then if, if I want my shit to get out there, I'm just going to have, we're just going to have to do it ourselves. For guys like us that are doing podcasts from our garage right now, you're the model that we're trying to follow, right? Where I want to have control over everything that I touch and then I do. I'm too old enough to kiss anybody's ass anymore, you know? Yeah. I'm done with that, so I'm going to start doing it on my own. And once I kind of had that realization, we started taking control of everything on our own. There was a lot of freedom that came with it. And yeah, absolutely. You, Your set was great, by the way. Yeah, you got to. I sent a oh. picture over of our studio, yeah. I figured a Dude, guy, it looks awesome. I figured a guy fun. like you might appreciate something like that. Yeah, and you know, and you know what? You don't. You really don't need the industry. And because here's the thing about, I think about like mass with the industry. And I've talked to other comics and you know content producers about that. But okay, let's say um, you guys have the opportunity to make five hundred thousand dollars a year doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, some agents, some big agency, some big management company, they only make ten percent of what like you make. So for them, that's $50,000. And they're, if they're a big agency, they're not going to give a fuck about $50,000. But you're going to give a lot of fucks about $500,000. I sure would. And so, <laughs> right, right. So it's like, you know, the, the industry tends to think of, they don't think of the middle space very well. They just, they want to make everybody as big as fucking possible and make them, you know, millions and millions of dollars. I'm like, yeah, that's great for the few people who can do that. But there's a whole bunch of other people that can find their crowd that's never going to be maybe as big as Dave Chappelle's crowd, but it's going to be big enough to make like literally all their fucking dreams come true. And that's that's like the space where like, you know, independent con content creators can live. And there's a lot of people who most people will never hear their names who are making amazing livings doing exactly what they want to do and they don't need the fucking industry at all. So I, I love you guys are doing it your own way. Here, let's get this right here. Yeah. <laughs> For us. <laughs> We're going to do it. Hey, you know, being from Idaho, do you feel like that influences your comedy? I wouldn't have thought so years ago, but as I've gotten older, I kind of um, see how my upbringing influenced me more just with my dad and like his friends and like the people I grew up with. 
And I don't know what it is, if it's something in the water up here or whatever, but um, like Northern Idaho, especially there definitely is this fuck you. I'll do it myself kind of vibe. Like, um, <laughs> like I, I don't need you. I'll, I'll do it just fine. Kind of vibe. Like a lot of like DIY people of various kinds. So I think it did. I think it did. I think that's inside me. Did a lot of people at that time live like the Ruby Ridge dude? <laughs> What's funny is uh, the, the town I'm from specifically mm-hmm. and my dad's friends were very similar to Randy Weaver. There's plenty of people up here who are like college educated and, you know, very different vibe. Those weren't the people I grew up around. That's um, fucked up, the man. people I grew up around and all of my social circle. I mean, you know, very, very much like don't trust the establishment. <laughs> a lot of quasi legal or legal weapons and stockpiles <laughs> and all kinds of just militia it- fantasies and all that stuff. Yeah. No, that's, um, that was how I grew up. Us down here, we think that, oh, he was doing some weird shit. But if everybody up there lives like that, then what <laughs> the hell? The only really thing about Randy Weaver that's funny that pissed me off was like, dude, you got caught and you got to go. Right. go. So go to your court date. Just go to your court date. That, and all that of that right could have been avoided. But it's, And, I mean, he had like the – he was hanging out with some neo-Nazis. Right. So that's a whole other thing. But the, but the whole thing about like, well, I don't want the government telling me how to live my life. It's like, okay, I get that. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want that either. But – we got to have some laws so we don't devolve into anarchy. And then when you yeah. get caught making illegal shotguns, well, then go to court, dude. Yeah, dude just, <laughs> yeah, like, just, don't put your family dude, at oh, risk. You're not right, going to fucking beat the FBI. What you're saying right there is what one of the things I love about your comedy, man. Self-accountability. Nobody fucking has it anymore. If they, they, <laughs> totally. They bitch about the fake news. It's because you fucking watch it. That's why they show it. Why does politics right. lie? Politi- politicians lie? Because you fucking eat it up. That's why. Oh my God! Absolutely. It's self accountability. Nobody That's has. So it. You said that. I was just thinking about that the other day. I get all riled up about politicians, and about some of the choices we have. But it's like they wouldn't be uh, sitting in Capitol Hill if we didn't fucking vote for them. Yeah. You know, right. it's like we gotta take some responsibility for that. The the fucking the news stations they they're at the end of the day they're trying to make money and that they show it because you fucking watch it. They wouldn't show it if you yep, didn't watch it. It's all click. It's all click. You know, Jeez. click driven. And if and if they're not getting the clicks. Then yep, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep uh or they're not they're not gonna keep beating us that absolutely. It's in every part of society. I'll tell you what, I'm a single man, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I do. I go on the For dating. Anybody sites. listening out there? <laughs> hey, ladies. Um, so I go on, <laughs> I go on these dating sites, man, and it, people in their bio, these chicks will be like, "Nobody's gonna screw me over like my last one." I'm like, "Hey, you picked him, man. I didn't. <laughs> right. What the hell are you what are you yelling right. me for?" Because it's easier. It's, it's easier, easier to blame somebody else or to blame you know exactly. It's easier yes. to be a victim. Exactly. Yep, I, t- I teach that to my kids all the time. I'm like, do not fall into that. You know, I, I do call it like a loser mentality. Yes. If uh, if you're always blaming everybody else, if you're continually having problems and you're always blaming everybody else, the problem is not them. Like, what's the common denominator? You, it's you, you. You know, and it's like, and, and people, some people interpret that as like you're being mean. It's like, no, I'm trying to fucking help you. Right. Because if you keep doing that, you're never going to get anywhere for sure. But if you take responsibility for your fuck ups and try to get better then you're going to definitely improve your life to some degree. Might not, you know, make all your fucking, you know, dreams come true, but it's going to be better than what you have now. No, I, I tell my kids that stuff all the time. And take responsibility. Look at yourself first before you look at anybody else. Yes, yes, yes. And kind of what we're talking about here, I know you have a degree and a background in psychology, as do I. I think <laughs> oh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I'm a counselor by, by my uh, full-time job. That's awesome. Uh, and I love psychology. But I, I I think also that you had worked in some, um, what were you calling them, Chuck? The, um, residential? Yeah, like residential or? care facilities. Mm-hmm. And that was a, yep. a sort of a, a eye-opening experience for you? I think the word was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't do well in that. Because, well, you know, it's funny. It's like uh, 
a lot of the a lot of the people there I was dealing with, they wanted to constantly blame, you know, and blame wow. everybody else. And I and I remember <laughs> I remember actually like when I knew one of the days I knew I should probably get out of that field before I got in trouble was uh there was this teenager. I don't know, maybe they I mean they were pretty young. They were like, you know, 16, 17 years old, and they had a court date coming up for child molestation. They molested somebody. Mm. And and uh this teenager was trying to get my sympathy. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? So I'm like, why should I sympathize with you at all? I'm like, I despise what you did. Yeah. And then he's like, Yeah, but the same thing happened to me. And I'm like, then you of all people should fucking know better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I was the judge, man, you're real lucky because I'd probably give you the fucking death penalty. I said something crazy to him. <laughs> I'd, I'd put you down. And I and, never uh, worked there and again. And I was like, well, okay, I should probably get out of this field. Yeah, this, that's not going to end well. It's funny, though, because my life sort of is similar in that regard. Is like I was working at a juvenile detention center before I was even thinking about getting into psychology. And I kind of oh, wow. tell people, like, anything that I know about psychology or counseling or therapy – I learned in an eight hour shift just trying to get through the night. Right. Because because mm. those, yeah. those kids were pretty intense with some of their backgrounds and some of the trauma they experienced. So it's like, yeah, I, I never learned anything in a book. I learned a personal hands on experience. No, man, that sounds like nurses used to be. They they'd follow a nurse for a while and then they were a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- those those kids, I mean, that you're working with. I mean, sadly, you know, some of them because of survival skills. I mean, they learn to really be able to manipulate somebody. Like they're very street smart. Absolutely. So I'm sure you did learn a lot just, you know, to avoid being manipulated. And, and also, you know, in order to, to help the ones that, were, that truly were able to receive help. Dan, we're going to be catching you January 28th at the pageant in St. Louis for the Burn It All Down tour presented by 105.7 The Point, Riz's show. You got an early show at five o'clock, late show at eight. We're going to be at the five o'clock. Yeah, I'll be asleep at eight. Hit the east side afterwards. <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. Well, text text my. I mean, I know you have like mine and like my wife Lindsay. You know, if you guys want to like pop backstage and say hi, just um shoot her a message. She'll be uh she'll be watching for that kind of stuff. Done. We're going to hold you to that, bud. <laughs> it's on air now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. We'll come back to you know. Damn, I got I got work out and shit by twenty eighth. Give us your website and where everybody can find your stuff. Yeah, they, uh, they can just go to uh, dancummins.tv uh, and link to everything from there. We appreciate your time today. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much, Dan. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. And best of luck, man. I hope you guys fucking just continue to kill it and just uh, blow it up doing it your own way.